Let me mention as we begin our talk today, three words that I think are among the most profound words ever spoken or thought of, maybe the most profound. They're very simple words. It's a very simple statement or sentence, but it is so, so deep and so, so um, intense as we really understand what it means or try to understand what it means. Maybe you've thought already of what I, I must be talking about because you get the sense that this is about love this month. And yes, it is. It, it's the, the simple sentence, God is love. Just l let me ask you to let that sort of rest in your mind and heart. God is love. And we could ask the question really for time immemorial, uh, what does that mean? How is it that God is love? What, what do we mean when we say God is love? Well, in this uh, Lent season, we are involving ourselves in the Ark Project, and we have put a little slogan with that. It is the slogan, Love in Motion. And what I would like to suggest to you as we look at the various aspects or directions of love, l let me suggest to you a few things that, that, that may begin your, your mind working. We call it love in motion because, first of all, I, I would like to suggest that love travels, or we might, we might have called it the travels of love. Another way to get our minds on this and around this is to say love never stays in one place. See, lo love is not a static thing. And it is not something that exists in one place by itself. It really, by necessity, has to travel. It has to go from somewhere to somewhere else to actually be love. I think love is not, as far as we understand it in the Bible anyway, um, something that you feel. It has that component, but, but that's not the entirety. And the theme of love in the Bible is a theme about something that travels, something that never stays in one place. So love in motion is what we're talking about. The idea that love travels and resists it being contained in one place or in one person. So as we think about that, we're going to look at the various directions of love. We're going to talk about love of God, uh, the love God has for us and the love that we have for God, the love that we reciprocate in our love for God. And that was really the first part of the Shema. Um, the whole um, mandate for Israel uh, to remember that God is the one God and we need to love him with completeness. We need to give our whole self in our love for God. The second kind of love that we're going to talk about, um, which we will come to next week, is the love of self. And I remember maybe the first time I heard someone say that it, it's very important to love yourself before you can love others or maybe even before you can love God. And there was something in me bristled at that. Um, the idea that we're supposed to love ourselves and putting loving ourselves as a condition uh, after which we can love others 
didn't seem to sit very well with me. And yet, through the many years after I maybe heard that said the very first time, I would say that the love of self is one of the most elusive um, well-being aspects of our human existence. There are many people who, if, if you were to ask them to honestly assess whether or not they love themselves, they would say no. A- and they might say no, and nor should I love myself. And maybe we would agree with them, and maybe we would try to understand what it means not to love ourselves in, in an improper way or in an excessive way. Um, but the idea that people do not love themselves, do not accept themselves, is a, a strong impediment to human growth and to spiritual and Christian growth. So next Sunday we'll talk about that, about whether or not we should love self and how we would or wouldn't love self. The next one that we think about is the love of one another, which of course is the, um, the essence of the, uh, the ARC project. We need to love one another, those who are in our community, and we'll see in a moment, those that are beyond our community, which is the love of neighbor. So we will see that very clearly in the New Testament, we are told that we're supposed to love one another. And in in a sense, we give priority to our love for one another. And then as well as that, we love our neighbors. And, And maybe the love of neighbor is something that kind of grows out of our love of one another. Maybe we learn how to love our neighbors by the way that we, we learn to love one another. But the love of neighbor. And then finally, the love of world. So we'll have to ask the question, well, what does that mean? Because in John, the, the letter that we're having a look at this month as we consider this project, in John, we're told not to love the world. And yet, we also remember back in John's gospel that we're told that God so loved the world. So what does it mean to love the world, or should we not love the world? We'll figure that out. But all of it is going to be grounded in what John, the friend of Jesus, says in his first letter. So in, in first, chat, first John, um, you will find that, that the idea of love just comes up and up and up and up. It's, it's all over the place. It's, John is called the apostle of love, um, he calls himself the one that Jesus loved. He um, basically lives in the joy of being loved by Jesus, his master. But in in First John chapter four, here is what uh, I've, I've sort of uh, made this a bit more concise than the full passage. But you'll go to it later on if you'd like to. But here here's what we read, dear friends. Let us love one another because love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God. I've left that out, but I'll come back to it. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. How did God show his love for us? He sent his one and only son into the world. What is love? It is that he loved us and sent his son. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we should also love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us. His love is made complete in us. Now, First John is a letter that is on first reading a very plain and simple letter about love. 
But I listened this week to a talk by a person who said that in his whole professional career as a pastor and as a professor, he had been reluctant to actually teach on 1 John because he couldn't understand it. And that's, that's kind of refreshing to me. It was Chuck Swindoll. You probably remember Chuck Swindoll from his years and years and years of, of radio preaching. And he, at, at the time that he was giving the talk, he still wasn't quite prepared to, to jump into First John. So that made me wonder, well, maybe it's a more complicated letter than, than I assumed. And I think it is. Because there are some both profound and, and also lofty notions and statements in the letter of First John. And if we were to slow down today and have a look at this passage from First John 4, we would probably find ourselves with our red pens out, marking words and phrases and saying, I, I honestly don't really understand what that means. So let us embark anyway on this foolhardy journey of understanding what is very hard to understand. And maybe I can just offer my thoughts and maybe we can offer one another our thoughts. By all means, fire a comment to us as you are watching or listening or send us your response and, and we'll try to deal with those things. Uh, uh, to, to try to gather my thoughts, let me, let me talk about three S's. I'm going to talk about the source of love and then the supply of love and the sign of love. So they're not up on the screen for you to see, but I will keep coming back so you know what we're hanging our thoughts on. The source of love, the supply of love, and then the sign of love. The source of love. And when we go back into this little passage in 1 John 4, we find very clearly this statement, love comes from God. So th there's the idea of love traveling. Um, love comes from somewhere. We're, we're told that, that love comes from God. That God is the one who first loved us. We can only love because he has loved us. We can only understand what love is because God has shown us how loving he is and what loving things he has done. So the source of love is God. And we will find a little bit farther on, there's, there's this kind of strange um, claim that says if, if anyone loves, he knows God. So that elevates love to a very, very high value. We, we might say, no, if someone knows the truth and believes it uh, about God, um, he, he knows God. But John says, no, it, it, it's actually more appropriate to say that um, we know God because we love him, not because we believe in him, not because we believe the right things about him, but we know him because we love him and, and we live in our love for him. So, so love comes from God. And we're told, again, with this notion of love traveling or, or love in motion, we're told that God sent his love. He, he sent his son, and we're also told that he sent his love. I don't know if you have watched some of these sort of tear-jerking and heartwarming stories about military people who come home sooner than their families had expected them to come back. 
And it's always a delight to see the surprise, particularly on, on their children's faces, when mom or dad um, comes back home from overseas and shows up um, in a surprise visit to their classroom or at home. And I saw one the other day where there was a child who was um, in, in his, his house, and there was a big box, a big box with wrapping paper all over it. And he, you know, rather excitedly began to tear the wrapping paper off the box. And to his great surprise, when he finally tore all the wrapping paper off the box and opened the box, his dad jumped out and he had just come back home from serving overseas. And the child was overcome by his emotion and by his love for his dad as um, his father showed up from this long time away. So the love that God has sent us is, is kind of like that idea that, that God has wrapped his love in a very incredible way. In fact, God has come home to us in a package. He has come in the package of his own flesh. He has come in the person of his son. And, and that's the way that he has sent his love to us. That, that's, that's the source of his love. Love having come from God, um, as the love of God travels towards us, we find that it's packaged in God himself, in the incarnation. Uh, God, if he were to offer us love, might have asked himself, well, well, in what guise would I deliver love? Or uh, what would love look like if, if I were to be the source of love for my children? He might have thought of great ideas that he would send to us that would sort of personify love or exemplify love. But the way that he has proven to be the source of love for us is to deliver himself, actually himself. He has looked around heaven and asked, what, what would be a demonstration of my love that would overwhelm my children with the love that I have for them? And there was, first of all, not only um, not a greater idea than to send himself, but we find that he actually sent his son. And his son, um, as, as a member of the Trinity and yet distinct from the Father, the son is, is the apple of the father's eye. The, the son is the one in whom the father delights. And we, we hear the father speak out of heaven to the son at his baptism. And, and, and he declares to all who are there, this is my beloved son whom, whom I love. And uh, all the way through the, the time that Jesus was here, when we would listen in on his prayers, and listen in on his conversation with his father. It was all about love. It was about the love that the son had come to bring to God's children from God himself. So the source of love is, is God. And that becomes very instructive for us because if we were to posit human love as something that we could muster or would be the, the you know the best that we as humans could could bring along if we don't look to god we won't be looking to the right place to find love i don't know what we would call what it is that we find and deliver but it would be less than than the kind of love that is sourced in god himself he is the source of our love the, the second S is that he is the supply of love. 
Um, if, if we know God, we will put love in motion. God sent his son. And again, just to go back to what I've said, the vast supply of God's love in giving us the very, very best. And when we listen to the, to the prayers of thanks in the epistles particularly of the New Testament, we hear the apostles just marvel at the, the incredible love of God, uh, the incredible supply. And I, I've mentioned to you so many times that the apostle Paul so, sometimes can't even find enough language or extravagant enough language to talk about the love of God. We, we find um, prayers where, where Paul says, I, I, I want you to know how, how high and how deep and how vast, how wide um, and, and how beyond understanding. And it's almost as though he keeps on zooming out and out and out and saying, I can't get to the boundaries of God's love. I can't get to, to the, the finite measure of God's love because God's love um, not only is sourced in him, but is supplied to us in such a measure that we're, we're overwhelmed and, and we, we stand back in awe at what God has done in giving us love. That, that's actually our, our reaction pretty much to who God is and what God has done on a grand scale. When we look at creation, uh, we look at it and, and we say, wow, what what God could have done could have been so much less than this or so much more measured than this and yet what God has supplied to us always seems to be with overabundance over generosity it goes beyond the limits and we say wow whatever I might have expected it was not this it was not nearly this and in many many areas of our Christian understanding when we think about the forgiveness that God has given us, um, we're overwhelmed by the measure of his forgiveness, that he has forgiven us everything, everything we've ever done or thought, everything that we ever will do or will think, anything that is short of the glory of God himself, God is willing to forgive us um, those shortcomings and, and more than the shortcomings, even the ways in which we have, as we, we prayed earlier, done what we ought not to have done and not done what we ought to have done. So the supply of gov love from God is, is, is immense. It, it is, it's a springhead. It, it, it is, you know, the headwaters of an enormous stream that flows towards us without ever, ever being diminished in its, in its quantity for us. The sign of love, um, I, I want to talk about that actually kind of in a backwards way and say, well, what does love signify? In what way is love a sign? So the source of love is God himself. The supply of love is enormous. A and by the way, if, if we see in this passage what we should do about the supply that, that God has given to us, um, we, we find John say to us, if God has loved us that much, if, if the supply of God has been so great, we should also love one another. And it's interesting, it's, it, it's not a should in the way that we might normally think. It, it's not we should love one another because that will somehow show God 
something of merit in us. That, that's not the point. It, it's actually the idea of paying forward. It, it's, it's the language of, um, of owing a debt and paying off that debt, but it, it's not a debt that is owed to God. It's a debt that is taken on because we know that we owe one another. So not just we should love one another, but in fact, if the supply of God is as great as we understand it to be, then the supply of love that we have for one another also has to be without bounds. And so there's where the rubber meets the road, is to ask, do do I really love other people the way that God has loved me? And we we have to say no. We certainly don't. Every every now and then we we find an expression of love in our hearts and by the deeds of our lives that maybe are are more noble than other times. They seem really selfless, which which is what we know is good about the the giving of love. Uh, but all in all, when we look back to the supply of love that comes from God. If we have that same supply for one another, then we will be blessing um, at every turn, which we all confess is not really the way we end up spending our lives. Source of love, the supply of love, and then the sign of love. And I'm saying, what does love signify? This is one part of First John that is very, very hard to understand. Because what we see here is that when there is love, that love is a sign of faith. So, so let me come back into the few verses here and, and, and pull that out. Um, dear friends, since God loved us that much, we should also love one another. That's what we've talked about. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us. His love is made complete in us. And way back at the beginning of this little section, um, everyone who loves has been born of God. This is the part I deliberately omitted to, to emphasize it now. And then the opposite, anyone who does not love does not know God. So when, when it comes to matters of faith and our claim to know God or to be related to God, it, it doesn't come down to what we believe. What we believe is important, but many times we have our our faith um, basically contained in statements or or premises of belief, as though if if we know the right things, believe the right things, and maybe even do the right things, we would be called people of faith. But in in this passage. Um, there's a very generous statement that everyone who loves has been born of God. And and that would be what would make a person like Swindoll say, I don't understand that. And I, I would agree, I, I don't understand that at all because it seems here that if there is a person who loves, and you know, granted we'll, we'll uh, hold love uh, as a high, high standard and, and say, um, if there is that, John says, if if there is somebody who loves, that's a sign that the person has been born of God. And we say, well, w- wait a minute. What if what if they haven't believed all the right things, or what if they believe things that I don't believe, or that I, I think they shouldn't believe, or whatever it is? Well, John would say, well, 
Um, the acid test of whether or not we know God is that we love. Not that we believe the right things or know the right things, but that we love, and that is a mark that we are people who know God. And on the contrary, if anyone who does not love, then no matter what that person says, no matter what that person claims to believe or do, John says that person doesn't know God because God is love. And again, there's the profundity of, of that statement, God is love, very simply said. And yet, what, what does it mean? God is love in, in, in this context. It would appear that John is saying the, the essence of God is love. The stuff of God is love. We'll, we'll come across one other statement sort of like that in 1 John where we're told that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. So if, if we um, kind of apply that over to, to God is love, we would say, yeah, and, and that's absolutely true, that God is love and in him there is no hatred at all. In him there is no disliking at all because God in, is in some total love. So there is the, the, the mind-bending claim that John is making, um, it, it at least brings us to the point of saying, if we had not thought well enough of love, it is certainly time. Because no matter what is supplied to me in my Christian faith and practice, if love is not being supplied, and if love is not being experienced, I'm missing the point. The point is God is love. It, it isn't that God is loving it isn't that uh, God loves. Those are both very true. But the, the frank statement is that God is love. And so if you love, that would be evidence of faith in John's mind. If you don't love, that would be evidence of not believing, not having faith. Because there's, there's the, the test of true orthodoxy, I suppose, is to say, well, how is your love? How is your love in terms of its being sourced in God and supplied by God and then practiced um, out of the wellspring of love into your life? Um, so th th then after John has said that, he says, um, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us. Again, he, he seems to have some very interesting little criteria of how you know um, what is the measure of a person's faith or the person's belief or a person's religiousness or spirituality. He has said, well, let's see if there is love because if, if you love, then you must know God. And then as well as that, let, let's, let's say that um, even though you haven't seen God, if you love one another, you will be living as a community in which God lives. And you say, well, I, I've, I've never seen God. John says that that's true. We've never actually seen God. But the way that we see God is when love is among us. When we are living and loving beings, we are beings in whose presence God is in, in, in whose company God likes to dwell and God likes to hang out. 
so if if we were looking for you know, maybe some resolutions still for 2021 we we might do well to say boy love is a lot more important than i thought love's not just you know the best way or not just the the christian way love is the whole deal and at, at the end of the day you know maybe questions that that god would have for me would not have so much to do with what did i believe or do um but they would they would kind of be uh, focused on love what did you think love was where did love come from for you was god the supply of your love and did love travel from you so but this little passage from first john i think uh, is a great illustration um or, or the 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 phrase around the ark project is a great illustration of the meaning of this passage it's love in motion it's the idea that love travels and and that love never stays in one place so uh, we can't sit somewhere and be loving we need to to set love free we need to allow love to travel travel from us to god as it travels from god to us and began by traveling from god to us it needs to travel to our brothers and sisters it needs to travel to our neighbors it needs to travel to our world and the one that we skip past is it needs to travel into our own hearts where where we find that we are lovable people because we're loved by god and it is the being loved by god that makes us people who ought to love ourselves we have to look in the mirror and say this is someone whom God has created in his image as we say the same thing considering the various people who are around us so the source of love the supply of love and the sign of love the sign of love being um, a conundrum in some ways because love seems to be elevated above anything else and seems to allow things that we would not have allowed uh, in the scheme of orthodoxy um, it it seems to say well this is the hallmark this is this is how you will know and if we love one another god's love not only lives in us but god himself lives in us and then finally uh, john says his love is made complete in us uh, it, it's it's actually the word perfection it's it's perfected in us so all of all of this john says sh- should be forensically experienced in your relationships the, the understanding that god is love and that's the only source of love that truly is a source of love the supply of love is overwhelmingly abundant and love is the sign of your faith your, your faith is not the sign of love love is a sign of your faith love proves that you're a person of faith the absence of love proves that you're not a person of faith and that should make us stare at ourselves for a while and say how how is that so and then how practically is that so in 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 all of this it, it sort of brings us full circle to the travels of love um 
to the, to the fact that love is in motion. And when we experience love, um, as John is understanding it and perhaps defining it for us and making us open our hearts and our spirits to what it is, then we see that all the ways that love travels are necessary. So I cannot simply be a person who claims to love God. John even says that. If, if you say you love God, but you don't love your brother, how can you love God whom you haven't seen and not love your brother whom you have seen? So y you better stop and, and do some, you know, reworking of your understanding because love travels it, it won't be st static it, it won't allow you to be a religious monk um, you can't just love God by yourself and you can't just love yourself by yourself you must love one another love has to travel it has to, to go and in its traveling it becomes even more beautiful and when you think about the neighbors who are around you um John would say, if, if we don't love our neighbors, then how can we say we love God? It, the same thing. It's, it's not just the one another's, it's the neighbors around. And the world. If God has loved the world so much that he gave his only son, and we don't demonstrate his love for the world, if we find ourselves um, at enmity with the world, and it's it's an enmity that we choose, not the enmity that the world might choose because um, the dark Lord is, is working in their hearts and minds. But if we choose an animosity or an, an enmity with the world around us, the people in the world around us, um, how, how can we say that God's love really is perfected in us? So his love is made complete in us. His love is perfected in us in all the directions in which love travels. I, many times um, I had the experience of traveling overseas, and this has not happened in North America, but every, every time I would go somewhere else, whether it was an African country or uh, part of India or Pakistan or somewhere in Europe, um, when I would check my itinerary, you know, maybe on my computer or by correspondence, there was sort of an alarming little statement about the return journey. It said, be sure to confirm your return trip. Um, and, you know, tells you within such and such a period of time before the ticket would be issued and would be valid. And sometimes that kind of scared me because I, I ended up some places I didn't want not to be able to come home from. Coming home was wonderful when there were things to look forward to coming home that I wasn't experiencing there. And I was always a little bit unnerved by this idea that I, I couldn't come home, that it wouldn't actually be a round trip. And for me, those many, some of, some of them tremendously exciting times, um, in, in the back of my mind was I don't want to stay here. So, it, you know, sometimes I would have crazy thoughts like what happens if something really goes bad in the world and I can't go home? That was kind of frightening. And the story of love is that it has to travel and come back. It, 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 it has to be a round trip. It, it has to be a complete experience. In, in fact, to be love, in fact, to be a, 
the travel of love that, that, that God is looking for from us. So in every direction, love doesn't stay in one place with me or with anyone else. It needs to be transferred. It needs to be journeying. It needs to be traveling. Um, it, it, it will not allow itself to be stuck. God would not allow his love to stay static in heaven. In fact, apparently, by definition, he would not be God if he weren't acting out his love. Because of his character, because of his nature, because of the fact that, that he essentially is love, um, and, and, and love can't exist all by itself, it has to go and be and do something, um, then God maybe at some point in eternity past as he sat with themself, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it was a necessity and an obvious necessity that their love would have to be extended. And the way that it was extended was marvelous when we see what God has decided to do, to actually make us in his image that he might love us, that he might pour his love when we come into the, the prayers of Jesus in, in John, we have really astonishing language about what we have been invited into in our relationship with God. We're invited to be part of the loving relationship of God that God has with himself. We are invited to be there. And we've spoken sometimes about um, the disciples praying and Jesus saying you can ask the father for anything you want and then he will hesitate just for a moment and say no I don't mean I will ask on your behalf uh, you can ask him yourself because the father himself loves you he, he loves you you're part of the whole plan and so how much more as we live out our lives should we be uh, on, a, on a daily and, and regular basis just exploring love and understanding how it is that God is love is a very profound, very searching, very penetrating commitment and delightful understanding. So let's learn what we can as we look at the directions that love will travel in over this next little part of Lent. <laughs>